I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the News Du Jour, a calmer space to consume the news. So I think today my voice should be pretty much back to normal. Sounds pretty good so far. I have hot tea with me too to help out, but thank you guys for bearing with me through the past couple days. I know uh, there's a lot more like uh, swallowing sounds and things like that that, you know, probably aren't the best for a podcast, but we're a daily show and it's just me. So I'm going to work through things like that. And I really appreciate you guys showing up anyway and encouraging me. Anywho, today we have just one brief mini story to touch on. And then we're actually going to deep dive into a very different subject and then end today's episode with some Israel and Gaza related updates. Let's jump in. So for our mini story today, I wanted to let you guys know that Rosalind Carter's memorial service is taking place today or just took place. I went ahead and shared to our Instagram stories a video that pans the audience and shows all of the living first ladies in the front row. And it's pretty incredible to see all those women sitting next to one another. And, you know, it just seems like a big presence in the room. Of course, former president Jimmy Carter also attended the service. So it was definitely really moving and something you can check out online if you'd like to. So as today is somewhat of a slow news day, I thought we would take a look at something that happened earlier in the month, but that has pretty far reaching consequences for those struggling with rare or chronic illnesses, as well as immigrant families and family rights generally. This is the case of Maya Koloski, and I wanted to go ahead and issue a content warning here. This story involves extreme chronic illness, forced family separation, and suicide. So in case you did not catch the Netflix documentary called Take Care of Maya, I have had two different people tell me that they started it and had to turn it off. It is certainly an emotionally draining show to watch, so I can't even imagine having to live through it. But I'm going to do my best to basically break down the story for you guys in case you didn't see it or didn't see it all the way through. Essentially, Maya Kalowski was a 10-year-old girl when she started experiencing extreme pain. The pain she was reporting to her parents was so bad that her family rushed her to the emergency room. Doctors there were not able to figure out a cause for her pain and Essentially, the family then began a years-long journey towards a diagnosis. As someone who has been through the diagnostic process for chronic illness myself, I can tell you it is draining physically, mentally, financially, and it never goes in a straight line. But Maya had committed parents who did 
everything they could to find answers for their child. Her pain was debilitating and no one knows better what a child is feeling than their mom. Maya's mom sat with her through every appointment, every procedure, every test, taking copious notes and filling, basically filing everything in an organized fashion so as to guarantee the best possible outcome for her daughter in figuring out what was wrong with her. Maya's mother was an immigrant from Poland, actually, and her name was Beata. She would have walked to Helen back for Maya, and she kind of did. Eventually, the family got a diagnosis that they felt fit Maya's condition, and that was complex regional pain disorder. And this is one of those conditions that's rare and is just not well understood yet. But there were treatments available in Mexico that involved a medically induced coma and pain medications. But Maya wanted to try this treatment, and they went, and it worked and she slowly was getting better. But as with any chronic illness, there were still flare-ups, and in one such flare-up, the family ended up back at the ER. Upon seeing how much pain medication Maya was on at such a young age, the hospital staff suspected abuse. They separated the family based on this suspicion. This documentary exposes, though, how the state of Florida has privatized children's shelters. I don't know how that is possible, and it is so incredibly fucked up. But these shelters incentivize hospital staff to send children to stay there. Maya was only able to speak to her parents through sparse, monitored phone calls, and basically they weren't allowed to talk about things like her health, despite written notes from her doctor explaining that he prescribed the pain meds, that Maya needed them, and that she was getting better because of them. Can you imagine having a child with such severe pain you could not be with, you could not help, you could barely speak to? Every mother who's listening to this is cringing inside right now. And they were alleging that the parents had committed medical abuse of Maya. And they were actually taking them to court about this, where Maya and her family felt that they were not being heard and, in fact, being gaslit. In the end, with threats of having Maya permanently taken from her, her very sanity being investigated, Beata committed suicide. She was overcome with the pain of being away from her daughter and not being able to help her daughter. And the worst part was, immediately following the suicide, the charges were dropped and Maya was able to return home to her family. But Maya, her dad, and her brother were not okay after this ordeal for obvious reasons. They lost their mother and their wife due to this abuse at the hands of the hospital and the state, really. And they weren't going to take it. So they filed charges against the hospital. And after years and years of back and forth in court, they not only won their case, but they won it to the tune of $260 million, according to Health News Florida. And this is against a giant hospital with top-notch attorneys. 
Maya's case made international headlines and it exposed a lot of serious flaws in the system, both healthcare and in how we handle child abuse situations, especially in the state of Florida. As someone who has dealt with the American medical system a lot, I know how hard it can be to find a doctor that will listen and not jump to assumptions. But as a mother, I can also relate to Beata. My son was born with a defect that needed surgery at two months old, but I only found this defect because I kept pressing doctors for answers. I had to repeatedly insist that we knew something was wrong because of what I was seeing at home that the doctors just couldn't know. I have been an expat, too, who was speaking a second language and often felt like a fish out of water. So I can definitely relate to this story, you know, whether it's Maya's story, Beata's story, both stories. I can relate to it in so many ways, and it really hit home to me. But what I know more than anything is Beata would have walked to the ends of the earth for her daughter. And I'm relieved to know that Maya will now be taken care of for the rest of her life but I bet she would give every dollar back to have her mom here today. Okay, and to wrap up today's episode, we do have some updates coming out of Israel and Gaza and related to the ongoing war. So let's go ahead and jump in. Content warning, this story involves war. So I wanted to let you guys know that on Monday, 11 more hostages were released by Hamas. These were largely women and children, and they were released back into Israeli custody Monday night after being held by Hamas. This brings the total number of hostages released to 51. Some of those were dual nationals as well. Harrowing stories of abuse are also coming out to do with these hostages. One of the nine-year-old girls still believes that she was underground for over a year because of how long the experience felt to her. There are also stories of, you know, elderly women not being able to adjust to the light because they were held underground and their eyes adjusted to darkness. Some, uh, a mom and two girls are attesting that they were held in cages. Now, none of this information can be independently verified by really any news organization. These are hostages. We don't know exactly where they were held, and we probably won't know the exact details of what they endured outside of their own eyewitness accounts. But I wanted to share those details with you guys that you understand that when we see, you know, any sort of commentary that they were well treated. It's just not true. A 12 year old boy recounted being beaten and repeatedly shown video footage of what happened on October 7th from the like GoPro cameras that the terrorists used. So things like that are just absolutely abhorrent and just show the true nature of what was going on with the hostage crisis and how they were being abused and A lot of them still have family members that are being held hostage. So it's important to understand that if they're saying things that are positive, it may be because their loved one is still being held. Elon Musk also traveled to Israel to meet with Netanyahu. So Elon Musk, who has helped the Palestinian cause in the past and even reshared anti-Semitic posts in the past, traveled to Israel to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu. 
Why? Well, this is kind of anyone's guess. He toured areas where people were tortured, raped, murdered, and abducted on October the 7th. It appears that he may be on some sort of public sympathy campaign as the struggling platform now known as X lost advertisers after Musk's apparent endorsement of that anti-Semitic post. Headlines are also coming out mentioning that President Biden is pressuring Israel to conduct themselves differently in their war against Hamas once the ceasefire ends. It sounds like he's impressing upon them the need to be more surgical, quote unquote. I hate using that term to describe war because war is never surgical, just to be clear. But to stop the widespread bombing that we've seen, according to the UN via The Hill, 45 percent of Gaza's homes are now leveled. So that is pretty incredible. And it's hard to imagine that all of that was necessary in rooting out Hamas. But at the end of the day, the U.S. has a lot of, you know, ways of rooting out terrorists that we've used all over the world. And let's hope that President Biden, along with this advice, is also lending a hand and helping to find ways of rooting out Hamas that don't involve endangering civilians. And that for today is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, Grief is one illness that defies all remedies. It must ever run its course. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugarfreemedia. And that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at It's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh. Oh.